Welcome to Patch Notes, the no cartridge news and views show that you've come to know and expect and uh, maybe even let us into your hearts and love us. Um, I am Trevor Strunk. Uh, you know me as Hagelbon. You know me uh, from, from the podcast and maybe from some sort of errant tweet. Um, with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, uh, Olivia. Um, hello. Hello, Liv. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for welcoming, onto, welcoming me onto the show once oh. again. Of course, anytime. And 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 I'd be remiss not to also welcome our other co-host, uh, John Bernhard. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. You may know me from such meme pages um, today for my hot Call of Duty takes. Yeah, I noticed that you were on a gay space communism now or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, it's a pleasure every time I show up there. You're, I mean, that's that not is irony. Your... It is a pleasure every time I show up there. <laughs> Uh, well, congratulations on being a meme. Yes. Um, and, and not in the way that, like, you got owned online. Uh, so, yeah, no, this is great. Um, we are in our second week back uh, as, a, as a threesome, as a uh, podcasting polycule. As a trio. Let's, let's go with trio. I, <laughs> we'll I talk like about po- this later. I like podcasting polycule. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to I I stump for that one. Um, well, uh, we have some news this week, um, some kind of interesting stuff, uh, and it's not, I don't know, it's not as, um, uninteresting as last week's, I would say, or as, like, uneventful as last week's. I think we made it interesting. Um, there's some, there's some cool stuff, so, um, let's do it. Um, I want to start, let's start at the top. I think the top is actually a great place to start, uh. Doom. Ha- well, actually, you know what? No, I, I take it back. Let's talk about this. Uh, the Call of Duty news because it is right. it based is based on your meme, John. No. Um, and I think honestly, we should talk about your meme <laughs> a little bit. Uh, let's just let's just revel in our successes as as a podcast. Um, Call of Duty uh, has. Well, why don't you explain it, John? I, right, I would love so, to hear your explanation. So, Call of Duty: uh, Modern Warfare has been discussed on this podcast before, back when the demo was shown. Uh, it was a controlled demo. I don't believe anyone got to play the game itself. It was shown at E3. Um, and if you recall, the way that demo worked was the there were two scenes depicted. The first scene, obviously, uh, had you playing a fire team in, I believe, London, going into a house and uh, killing a bunch of uh, men and women, uh, maybe shooting a child. It's unclear if you're allowed to, to blow the infant away. Um, with the justification after the fact they're all terrorists and, you know, through a increasingly convoluted series of justifications um you know they they all had bombs they were ready to detonate that sort of thing uh this and the second scenario is you playing a a teenage uh i don't believe they specify the location but it's supposed to be faux afghani uh girl who has to murder um a bunch of russians who have come to uh do cartoonish violence to uh, her town, and these are the two characters you play as in the game, the Afghani uh, woman, because obviously she grows up uh, into some sort of U.S.-aligned freedom fighter and a, an obvious, an actual uh, United States serviceman. Um, so now we're, that's the single player. We've, we're now getting multiplayer information about Call of Duty, and uh, what Call of Duty has put out is the first kill streaks for Modern Warfare multiplayer. Um, and let's go through these. Uh, Can you explain kill streaks for people who are not like big time Call of Duty heads? I mean, I'm not like, a big time Call of Duty head. Well, I, I know Liv is. Kill- right. Liv's huge into it. Um, <laughs> you are you are known man. far and wide. Uh, but I, you know, I've never really played that much Call of Duty, uh, so you're gonna have to explain it to me, Liv. You can just mute this. I mean, it's just gonna bother. You're gonna like be rolling your eyes the whole time because I'm not. I mean, this is stuff you know. But what are kill streaks? I mean, I again, I, I don't play that much. Call of Duty. I haven't since the original Modern Warfare multiplayer. Uh, I play a lot of the single players. I don't play too much multiplayer. Um, but to my recollection, a kill streak is when you kill a bunch of people in a row without dying, and you get well, various rewards. Yeah. Okay. Them, so, so. Th- these are rewards for kill streaks. Yes. Is what you're saying? Okay. That's well, I mean, what, that's what yeah. Your me. kill streak. Your kill streak is the number of kills you've gotten 
during your current life, let's sure. say, and at certain increments along the kill streak, you get okay. rewards. Um, these rewards take the form of power-ups and abilities. Um, uh, so you know, at at two, at your kill streak of two, maybe you get a. These are not actual. This is, this is not actual game balancing so don't yell at me for getting it wrong but at two let's say you get an auto turret and then at five you get to call in a helicopter and then at 10 you get a uh, a limited airstrike from a ac-130 or something um so they've revealed the the kill streak rewards some of them for modern warfare and let's go through the three that they've revealed the first one is the juggernaut uh this is a a a, a body armor thing it looks like looks like they've jumped up a one of those uh, suits of armor that you saw worn in the hurt locker or worn by bomb disposal professionals um except that now it's like really cool and supposed to be badass um and that you're supposed to do combat in it i guess uh it's got the big collar that protects your face uh it looks really goofy and stupid the second kill streak reward is an infantry assault vehicle, which looks like a modern version of the Sherman vi uh, fighting vehicle. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's not. I, I, they'll yell at you if you call it a tank, but it's basically a little tank. Um, and I assume it drops onto the battlefield, and you hop in, and you get to drive around and kill people in it. Is it like a micro tank? I guess. I mean, I'm looking at it. It looks fairly largely tank like. Um, you know, there, there's a position for you to sit with your 50 cal machine gun. Um, it looks like it has an abbreviated tank cannon that I assume is just a, a caliber gun instead of like an actual, instead of firing like actual artillery shells or something. Um, I'm not a military thing knower. Uh, it looks like a tank to me, but it's apparently an infantry assault vehicle. Hmm. Um, okay. then the third, uh, kill streak is you drop white phosphorus on the battlefield. The whole battlefield. Oh, no. Um, to those not aware of what white phosphorus is, it is Go a... Go play Spec Ops the Line. Yeah. It is a chemical that burns hot and deep. Uh, it cannot be quenched by water. Um, if you get it on your skin while it's ignited, it will burn you straight to the bone and then keep going. Um, it is... It, it's legitimate, quote-unquote, military application is for targeting because it creates a bright phosphorus light um so the idea is that for its legitimate combat applications you throw down a flare of white phosphorus it ignites you have a strobe for you to target your guns at and then you shoot the target um it is a war crime to use it for its incendiary or combat purposes in other words if you drop white phosphorus on people you are committing a war crime um, it does not matter if those people are armed infantry or especially it matters if they're civilians. And if you decide to blanket an area in white phosphorus, an urban area, you are trivially committing war crimes. Um, okay. All right. Uh, you know, of the sort where, you know, you, parents watch their children burn to death in front of them, that sort of thing. Uh, the American and Israeli forces that primarily use white phosphorus in their military regimes uh at least publicly facing are very careful never to use it for anything like this um they insist that it is only used for Target. legitimate targeting purposes and that it that whenever one of these canisters accidentally hits somebody uh that this is a tragic accident so um, in in call in the call of duty game i mean does the, like, so i read the the article um when you posted about it but mm -hmm. like I didn't notice. Does the does the article actually give any sort of indication as to whether or not you can use it for targeting? Like, is it meant to be used? Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen an article. To... I'm going off the tweet that Call of Duty themselves verified made. I thought there was like a little bit of an article on it too. I'm sorry, I I, I must have been thinking of the tweet, but I remember reading something about it. But I like, mean, I'm, it, I'm sure there has been. An art. I mean, I, this is something people have. I mean, I'm not the only person who had a problem with this. But it so. seems it seems surprising that like I mean that they wouldn't immediately go to that right. Where I mean, I, I'm say, I'll like, read. I'll read you the description. Cover the battlefield with white, white smoke flare canisters that will disorient the enemy and burn any that wander too close. There is no mention of targeting in there. In fact, okay, wow, yeah, deploying uh, it, as, it, it is being deployed as a you know a you know a spread bombing run type thing. It's like AOE, yeah, basically. Okay, uh, and you know a, a lot of, a lot of really um, 
proudly stupid gamers got in my mentions to tell me that Modern Warfare 2 had had you able to summon a nuke. And, you know, I knew that. You know, there was an actual map called Nuketown. Uh, I actually played video games. Um, that do, Just because that was cool when you were 13 doesn't make this cool. Um, if you if we want to just like hop, hop in the time machine and go back to 2009, I'll gladly complain about being able to call in a tactical nuke then. Um, and honestly, there's just there is a difference in terms of level of cartoonishness. Mm-hmm. Um, when you call in a nuke, uh, like no one no one looks at the game Starcraft and thinks like the ghosts are a uh, are, are problematic because of nuclear launch detected. Um, when you call in a nuke, there is a cert, especially when the nuke doesn't do property damage like it should or end the map. Uh, you know, there's a certain cartoonish aspect to it. That doesn't make it good. It makes it stupid and silly. But that's different than using a prescribed war crime uh, substance in a way that is directly and explicitly um, in line with how it is used at, uh, when perpetrating war crimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, let me ask you this, and then, then I have a question for Liv, too, who I know, you know, all, all sort of joking aside, as far as I know, Liv, you are not a, a COD player. Not a big COD girl. No. Not a... Not, <laughs> I, I explicitly had you on the podcast, assuming you were a big time COD gamer girl. But, uh, <laughs> I'm getting kicked off now. <laughs> I guess that just means that you, uh, at one point in time, ate fish. Um, it's my it's my dad joke right there. Uh, we're vegan. I know, but at some point you weren't. Not with my consent. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, like the so John, like what? I'm trying to think about that. So what about like what about Call of Duty in general? Do you think there's anything in, in Call of Duty in general that like opens this up for critique or is this something that like you know not to not to justify what those gamers were sort of like arguing because I think they're wrong to say like oh just like grow up. But like no 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 it, they explicitly do not want you to grow up. <laughs> okay, well the, yes, the, that too. The 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 argument is that you need to regress to your 12 to 14 year old state you need to turn off your brain you need to play this uh you need to know that this is this is a noun a vidya v-i-d-y-a mm-hmm. um you need to infantilize yourself but is there like is there something in the audience of call of duty that like actually encourages that where like the expected product is something that is like it does, like takes none of this seriously well, yes and no. I mean, the multiplayer specifically. Uh, multiplayer shooters have always been oddly built uh, to minimize the fact that death exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say um, Battle Royales are the first multiplayer deathmatch type format that's actually taken death seriously. And honestly, as the game has evolved, it's moved away from taking death seriously, where you get these revives and in Fortnite and in and, and Apex. But when PUBG came out, you know, dead is dead. Mm-hmm, right, uh, you die. I mean, there there are ways when you're playing squad base that people can get you back up, but when you die, you are dead, and that is a fairly like you don't respawn. You don't. There, it's not a timed match where you you come back and you have a kill versus death ratio. I mean, that's that's a, that's a fairly new thing. So it, obviously, multiplayer shooters do not treat the world like the real world, but when you layer the real world so thickly on it in an aesthetic way. Uh, what you're doing is you're confusing the two things. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. especially for those 12 to 14 year olds that all the gamers think that you should be mentally forever, uh, that's not entirely healthy. Right. No, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I guess like, so, so Liv, let me ask you this. I, I know you, um, you cover, I would not say that you, uh, play anything necessarily as problematic as as Call of Duty when you play Overwatch. Like Overwatch is is not a realistic war shooter uh, by any means. I, I I've played Overwatch. I'm I'm willing to go to the mat for the opinion that the uh, the violence in Overwatch is not particularly realistic. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, but I'm also aware that the bare bones story of Overwatch is that you're playing like this. Uh international world police force and that it's not necessarily a a woke game if you want to um, 
Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't argue that it's necessarily woke. I I think you're right about that. But on the other hand, I don't think that there's anything written to the game that really is like well, you should be so proud of like what you're doing. Like I don't think that there's not moral ambiguity there. Whereas like in Call of Duty they're giving you an achievement for doing war crimes, which seems a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so, I, oh, I think that it's okay for there to be I don't think that everything has to be completely cleansed in video games of anything problematic, but it seems weird that if you're like, uh, like I wouldn't want to be playing a babysitter simulator and you get uh, an achievement for killing a baby. I don't, you know, like there, there should be things that are remarked upon in games. Thanks, thanks for speaking that into the world, by the way. Now it exists. <laughs> I mean, you do know that if there was a babysitter sim, there would be an achievement for killing the baby. Yeah, and I don't think that necessarily, you know, like, I think you should be able to do things that are wrong in video games sometimes, yeah. but I don't think that the the game makers should necessarily, like, be awarding for you, you for this or even, like, winking at you about it. Like, I think that, if anything, that there should be ambiguity so that you can have a critical discussion about it without it just immediately rewarding you for doing it. Or it being a reward. Yeah, and I'm not even sure it's a discussion about should. Like, should they be doing this? I'm not sure that's really for us to answer, but to look at what they're doing and, and analyzing how it reflects American culture, Western culture, how we interact with games, how we interact with our military. I mean, should isn't really the question. This is being done, and what does it say? Mm-hmm. Does right. it, you know, Does it have positive value? Does it have negative value? Whose agenda does it forward? That sort of stuff. So... You know, it seems pretty clear here, you know, that it's Call of Duty has been a pro-military shooter series since its inception. It started as a World War II valorization thing because World War II was the last time this country's army could reliably lay claim to the hero mantle. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And since then, this reinvention is supposed to be, I I sort of feel the same way about it that I feel about the uh, 2015 movie Sicario, which is that they present two competing, uh, not competing, two complementary claims. The first is that it is very and actually sad and disturbing the things that the United States military and police forces do in the uh, pursuit of their objectives. Okay. The second thing is that nevertheless, those things that they do are both effective and that the things they're trying to do with those tactics are good things. Right. So... A lot of necessary evils, basically. Yeah, the the new formulation is that it's all right to be sad about this stuff and be sad that it had to happen, but it still has to happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like it's sort of like a totally defanged version of Spec Ops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Spec Ops is probably my favorite third-person shooter, um, certainly of the of its generation. Um, I, th- I there was a big controversy when well, not controversy when it came out, but the the, re- the when it was reviewed, a lot of critics disliked it because they thought you didn't have a choice except to do all these war crimes. And you know, looking back on it years later, yeah, you're playing yeah. an insane person. <laughs> That's you're playing point, someone yeah. traumatic, uh, vastly traumatically damaged by the war machine and the country that he works for. You're not playing someone with. Uh, perfect arbitrary free will who can step back and see things like the entire point of the game is that your guy is going insane mm-hmm. uh you know there the two endings of the game i'm i don't think i'm spoiling this for anyone are you shooting yourself in the head while thinking you're shooting a uh, a reflection uh, a hallucination of your previous boss um the colonel kurtz, kurtz character yeah. um because this is this is a heart of darkness story by way of apocalypse now um which is itself a heart of darkness story yeah right? yeah um but it, you know apocalypse now got into some of the military united states military stuff and this just takes it and elevates it mm-hmm. um i don't i don't i mean i don't mean artistically elevates it but foregrounds it more mm-hmm. um so you know the one ending is that you shoot the colonel kurtz character in the head in the head and it's actually you shooting yourself the other ending is that you don't shoot him, and the rescue helicopters come to pick you up, and you have the option of blowing away the rescue team as they land. You still have your gun out. You can do that. Right, and so Those yeah, are, yeah. Oh, and I guess like the, what I'd say, what I'd say to sort of to sort of like conclude here is, it strikes me that uh, 
the Call of Duty game and introducing white phosphorus in this way is basically basically giving you the the kind of like very conflicted and troubling elements of um, spec ops, and then just saying like, but don't worry about it. It's like now it's fun. Like you can yeah. just have, have some fun with it. You thought about it a little bit. Like have some fun with it now. We're gonna do. Um, insofar as like white phosphorus has become in some ways a, 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 a shorthand for spec ops, um, it's this thing of saying like, yeah, no, it's okay. Like we know you're going to think of spec ops, and that's 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 fine. Like now you're now you can have fun. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's troubling. So um, uh, on to something not troubling. I don't know. Do we have any not troubling stuff? Oh yeah, uh, I have do. something not troubling. Yeah, live, yeah, no. live, do it. What's not troubling? So. Uh, was this just yesterday? No, two days ago. Um, one of the biggest Fortnite, uh, I don't know how you refer to them, a media conglomerate. Like they have like Twitch associated Twitch streams and a clan, Twitch streams and YouTube, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Phase Clan, uh, brought on their Phase first... is huge. Yeah, really. Yeah, huge, massive in the Fortnite. Which I don't know if anyone's been hearing about Fortnite. I've never heard of something called Fortnite, um, but maybe someone who uh, who it's a length to of the time. Show. It's a length of time. It's twenty days. Oh, okay. All right, that's helpful. Um, well, maybe someone else who knows the show knows the game. But uh, Liv, go on. So they brought on their first female member, who is oh. only thirteen years old, which I guess is the age that uh, people go it's, pro in Fortnite. It is the age that the end user license agreement on Twitch allows you to start streaming. Oh, okay. There was a controversy recently where a 12-year-old was streaming without parental supervision. Um, He got banned. And his name was me. (laughs) But uh, her name is Ewok, Faze Ewok now. Um, And she's also deaf. Whenever I first read this... this article, or not the article, but whenever I first saw the headline, I, I was wondering if she was maybe just like capital D deaf, like in the deaf community, but uh, she's deaf. She's uh, an ASL user and uses ASL in her streams, American Sign Language, for anyone who is not American. Um, and wondering how people play Fortnite while, um, while deaf. There are apparently... Uh, sound visualizers which show like icons to signify different sounds in Fortnite and there's like different arcs of colors showing which uh, direction the sound is coming from and this is how she plays she's awesome Um, that rules I I mean like as with anything I feel very sketchy about people under 18 being (laughs) um, massively in the spotlight of anything especially in video games that would be my concern too but um, (laughs) I am very excited for her and yeah, great well, job, walk. Cool. Yeah, wow, that's fantastic. Um, Liv, can I ask you something? Just because you said something that I've never heard before. What do you mean by uh, like in the deaf community? Like capital D deaf. You said in the deaf community. I don't understand the the distinction that you're making there. Yeah, I don't know uh, how international this is, but at least in the um, American deaf community, so uh, lowercase d deaf refers to people who live with a significant hearing loss. So you can either, um, some people refer to themselves as like hearing impaired, some people refer to themselves as deaf or having or being hard of hearing. So there's any ways that you can refer to the actual hearing loss, but capital D deaf refers to anyone who's in the deaf community. So um, children of deaf Americans or children of sign language users would refer to themselves as being in the deaf community. Um, And just anyone like, it's usually family members uh, or parents refer to themselves as being in the deaf community and it's people who use sign language and um, because there's obviously different ways of living if you are deaf and a lot of times um hearing hearing community wants uh people to just like adapt to the hearing way of things whereas like american sign language isn't i don't know um so there's just like all these different community differences cultural differences and it's a way of signifying that you are part of a different community who has Mm. different um has a different culture um, yeah, it's fascinating. Cool. I didn't know that. Um, I think what's really cool about about this too is, you know, like I was, uh, Faze Banks was tweeting something, um, and someone linked it sort of. 
it wasn't it wasn't joking. It was sort of like admiring, but also kind of like, isn't this a funny thing to tweet? Where the like Face Banks tweeted something like, uh, "I was born to be like just some loser online who never made anything of himself, and instead, like, I just worked really hard and became and it became my job." And uh, and like someone was like, "Man, I wish that could be me." Um, and his comment to that person was, "Hey, man, you responded to me. That means you can be me." Um, and I, I unironically thought that that was like really affirming and, and it's, it's, it's a weird feeling to look at phase clan and think like these, these are like, this is some, one of the nicest stories in gaming right now is phase clan. <laughs> um, but this is, this is reaffirming it for me. I think it's also interesting that like self-deprecation has become like the lingua franca of the entire community. Mm-hmm. Like at, at this point, anyone who just, I don't know about the entire generation because, Within generations, there are, of course, class splits. Um, but at least for the people who are online, the way that we're online, self-deprecation is how you communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you've accomplished something like FaZe Clan has. Well, and it's self-deprecation not just in terms of, like, you know, saying, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so dumb or, or bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's also, like, self-deprecation in terms of, like, hey, this is me... I'm proud of myself, but I also know like where I came from, and I know that you can do it too. Like it's and, it's it's extremely affirming. Um, and I think there's also there's also an element of them not saying I'm not special, but you know there's nothing particularly unique about me that makes me this. Anyone can do it, and the bars that keep you from doing this are structural, not personal. Right, that sort of thing. And yeah, I think I think Liv, you're right that like this is this is uh, this is absolutely good, like unadulteratedly good news. Um, it's it's nice to see this kind of inclusion in gaming communities. It's nice to know that it can exist in terms of like I don't know, like it's it's very cool that it can there can be a a way for uh, capital D deaf players to, or I'm sorry, lowercase D deaf players. Uh, see, I'm I'm learning still um, to to figure out uh, to like actually play squad based shooters like the the idea of like the the sound visualization and stuff that's very cool and i would not have ever heard of it had it not been for um ewoks phase ewoks so uh that's really cool yeah absolutely i think that there's um there's growing visibility obviously not uh a substantial enough or adequate visibility of people who have different um either disabilities or differences however you know however you want to look at it um as far as gaming and that we should be adapting gaming to everyone should be able to game gaming is fun like and we should be making games as accessible as possible so yeah cool we, we should be clear people should be everyone should be able to game no one should be a gamer (laughs) <laughs> well, well that's that's correct <laughs> um well okay uh let's move on to why that is um oh, i hope there's yes there is um so uh i was interested to see this on the list this week i didn't do a lot of the curation this week i apologize to both of you um as i may have said i probably said on stream i've definitely said it to live um john i don't know if i mentioned it to you but uh mm-hmm. My kids have been particularly difficult in the past week or so. Not ah. nothing, nothing major, but it has uh, it has thrown me for a loop, and uh, and I'm just I'm just out of it now. It's like you got called up to the majors. They adjusted, you adjusted, now you have yeah, to adjust back. Right, exactly. I'm just like I'm swinging at every pitch in the dirt, and uh, and my manager is telling me I got to get out of my own head. It's all it's a whole thing. Um, but uh, I was interested to see this on the list this week. Uh, that there's a new collection of the original Doom games, and I, I saw this. I was reading this uh, on on Twitter and, and people's reactions to it. And I know my my friend, um, I think it was I think it was my friend Sean, who's at DJ underscore MOSFET, um, was saying like, "Oh, there's a new Doom. Doom's coming out on on uh, on Switch. Everyone, Doom's coming out on Switch." And then like five minutes later, he tweeted, "Oh, actually, like." Um, Doom, uh, Doom requires you to constantly be online. Uh, stand down. This is not something we want. <laughs> so, uh, Doom has dropped uh, a new a new collection of the original Doom games, which is to say, Dooms one, two, and three have dropped. Well, I want to say that's a really funny collection. Like Doom three sneaking in there at the end. It's good. Like if you I... want to do a collection of the original Dooms, what you do is Doom one, Doom two, and either Ultimate Doom or Final Doom. Maybe Doom sixty four if you're feeling spicy. Doom three. 
Doom 3 is a game you want to pretend doesn't exist. It's sweet. I like I like that they've included Doom 3. I think it's cool that they're trying to bring it back. Um, it's weird, but it's cool. Yeah. But so the thing about Doom is the thing about Doom such as it is in this collection is it requires you to always be online for your Bethesda account. Um, which uh, I'll 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 tell you what I can understand about this one is a problem in a couple ways. One uh, being constantly online for a game like Doom is irritating, even in the best of situations. It means that there's like stuff in there that's going to be problematic. It means you can't pause, maybe. Yeah, what's uh, the checkpoint system like in the original Doom? Uh, not, oh. Yeah, <laughs> not... Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you can still save, but... Yeah, it's not... It's like the, the, the actual sort of like mechanics of it are a problem. Um, and then also the fact that Switch, uh, Nintendo's online thing for Switch, is not very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be to be sort of <laughs> generous, uh, it's it's fairly bad and uh, and and unoptimized, and it has constant lag and stuff. And this is basically forcing you to be subscribed to it uh, in order to play these games. And it it's frustrating to see because I mean, for me, so I'll 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 toss it to you guys too. But like for me, this is frustrating because it's emblematic of just like where games are now, where like they constantly have an as a service or always online or some sort of thing attached to it where it's like oh yeah by the way you're gonna have to um you're gonna have to like make some uh make some allowances for this just like being a thing we have to make profit off of always um and like i love doom it's just it's it sucks to see like it sucks to see that i'm not going to be able to play it on my switch in the way i want to yeah uh, does the Switch version require you to have... I assume the Switch version can't interact with Bethesda's, because Bethesda's thing is the launcher thing, right? I uh, it's. It- I, I believe you need a Bethesda account. account. So you sign in through two services. Okay, yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. Even Somehow even worse. I mean, the good news to me is, um, that as someone who doesn't own a Switch, is that there are 45 different ways of playing these games already. True. Um, I own it. I think I own, like... I own Doom. It's like a it's like a tasting menu. Doom five ways. Um, I own it on a bunch of different services, none of which are this Bethesda launcher. I understand why they're doing it, um, which is that Bethesda has had a very 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 rocky launch to their launcher, um, <laughs> like the opposite of Epic Games um, mm, when they mm-hmm. launched off Fortnite. Uh, Fallout seventy six has been an unqualified disaster. I mean, obviously, they don't release the numbers, but they did negotiate a deal, I want to say, three to six months ago, where uh, every every Fallout game in their catalog except Fallout 76 would be going to Steam. Um, okay, wow. And I assume what happens there is the same way um, as what happens when you launch the Division 2, or, or you launch the Division through Steam, because uh, 2 is Epic's Jeff fucking... Um, <laughs> which is that uh, the, the storefront loads you into the Ubisoft... Um, launcher backend thing and then takes you into the game. Uh, So it it feels like this is a very obvious way to be able to show uh, stakeholders and I forget if Bethesda is public but or ZeniMax I think is public so shareholders um, raw numbers on online use you know in terms of users logged in per day user activity all that sort of stuff that um that look good in financial reports and board meetings and that sort of thing um because i got someone who is logged in playing doom or doom 2 as a single player game uh no matter how onerous that is to them as an end user is technically logged into the bethesda service and playing a game actively requiring an internet connection and talking to the server on the bethesda service you can just roll them into multiplayer gamers um if you want to be particularly dishonest to your stakeholders um i'm not sure why you'd ever want to do that (laughs) <laughs> uh, at, at an end of year or end of quarter report, but you could, um, and you know, and and this sort of always online stuff is also great anti piracy. Um, I believe the new Wolfenstein Youngblood game is also always online, despite you being allowed to play it um, with a bot second player. Hmm. Um, and the reason seems mainly to be so that they that it can't be pirated. Uh, they discover that copy protection isn't the thing. Just make it so the game always has to be on the internet and is unfunctional without the internet and you're golden. Uh, it's the same with uh, that Inquisitor game I talked about a couple weeks ago. Right. There's no reason for a Diablo-like to always be online except to check the copy protection box. Um, so, I, I mean, it's cynical, 
it sucks if you're if you're uh, stuck with um, having to go with the Switch version or you want to play it on your Switch. There was a, a minor controversy when it came out um, because they disabled because uh, obviously Doom has been released before on Xbox, uh, and this was released on Xbox as well. And there was a time when the previous versions of Doom, which did not require you to be always online, uh, I believe they were bought through the uh, through Xbox Arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, they just disappeared. They got disabled. Ooh, boy. Uh, people who already owned those versions weren't able to play them anymore. And that got walked back. But for Xbox One users, I believe you still have to, uh, because the game hadn't been released on Xbox One specifically, uh, you have to buy this version that hooks into Bethesda. Hmm. Um... I'm also interested in this from a different angle. Uh, Liv, uh, have you ever played the original Doom? No, I've only played the newest one. Would this, like, so, like, uh, there's a lot of talk about classic games being released on Switch just because I think um, Switch is a great place to release games. Um, like, does this make you any more likely to play an old game like Doom uh, if it was on the Switch, like like this? I mean regardless of whether or not you're always online or whatever like i don't i don't you can you can speak to that if you want but like seeing a game like this re-released is this like more likely to make you kind of revisit old classic games uh, um generally generally yeah i think that if it, i would like older games to be re-released but there's a decent online community for doom that um could probably better serve these uh these purposes just letting the community like have emulators for the original doom rather than um having to be always online on switch but like other games that are more difficult to access um i would be more likely to play those games on a re-release does that make sense no it totally does that doesn't art still have active communities like modding and Doom whatever. got a got a custom campaign as recently as last February this February yeah and I mean there's a there's a really robust speedrunning community yeah no I, that that totally makes sense I guess like what I'm what I'm always kind of wondering about in that is you know it exists and and I'll, I'll use myself for this like I know I know Dwarf Fortress is out there and it is free you can just play Dwarf Fortress and that's cool um and I just can't seem to find my time to play Dwarf Fortress, despite the fact that I want to. Um, yeah, I don't know who would be the audience for Doom that doesn't already know about Doom. Yeah, sure. And that, like, it's maybe it would be something that I'd be interested in, but I already know about it. And, like, I would know how I could find it if I did feel motivated to play it. No, I guess that that does make sense. Um, so I don't think I'm going to play it on Switch. <laughs> and, like, I haven't played any of, like, the whatever the switch online like the games that come with the switch online like the old oh Zelda the old games. nintendo games yeah 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 like i haven't really played any of those you're not rocking some river city ransom in your spare time um not yet i'm <laughs> trying to pencil it in soon <laughs> okay yeah no i'm uh i'm excited to try it on switch just because it's fun to play things on switch but i'm also uh I don't know when that's going to happen, especially because there's so many good like new games on Switch that I have to get, and they're all so expensive that um, it's just going to you know be when I can get to it. Um, all right, well we have one more news story. These have been these have been good news stories for like just like snappy commentary. I feel like um, well, so that we we're we're returning to labor issues though, so maybe we'll have a little bit more to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, come. Uh, Companies doing bad shit. The companies doing bad shit department. So what? What is happening? What? What is? What is going on here? So the uh, the United Kingdom released a p- report uh, this week uh, regarding Rockstar Games uh, UK, how Rockstar Games operates in the United Kingdom, uh, and they reported that Rockstar over the last four years, now six years, 2013 to 2019, has paid zero pounds in. Uh, UK taxes. Is and, that a lot? Uh, that is... I don't really know because of Brexit. Uh, well, I can't divide by it, so it must be, must be huge. Um, <laughs> just stole, just un, unrepentantly stealing jokes from the from the uh, the YKS guys now, so that's a <laughs> good sign. Um, 
So they they made an operating profit of five billion, uh, four billion pounds, five billion dollars American. Um, in those six years, they paid zero pounds in taxes, and they collected they collected forty two million pounds in subsidies. Uh, wow. That were that okay. were given by the United uh, the government of the United Kingdom to stimulate uh, business growth in the video game sector and that sort of thing. Um, so they collected. Uh, that was apparently 19% of the total um, subsidies paid out over that okay. period uh, since 2014. Um, and a number of those were, uh, excuse me, <coughs> tax credits, uh, tax relief. I'm looking at an article with from The Guardian. They have slightly different terminology over there. Um <laughs> And yeah, and the rest were like you know hiring and labor and deferred property tax type stuff for studios and all that stuff. Um, so I, I just want to say congratulations to Rockstar Games. They finally entered like the top tier, the Amazon and Microsoft tier of companies that <laughs> eat government funding, uh, take government bribes, steal money out of. The budgets of social services, uh, and also pay literally no taxes. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it's it's you know, it's hard to get to that stage of capitalism. A lot of companies never make it there. But Rockstar, you're here now. You know, you're one of the big boys. You're one of the the biggest, largest villains on the planet. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, congrats. Yeah, like the Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. When you're here, you're a villain. <laughs> yeah, but the family is like the mob, which is kind of the joke of all. Anyway, wow. go on. Do you, I mean, so like, uh, let me ask you, Liv, do you think there's ever a situation that a video game company should be this big? I mean, like taking it out of, <laughs> like taking it out of the realm of, uh, you know, um, critique of capital. Because I think we can all say like, there's a, a very, very compelling critique of capital that uh many uh i would say you know myself certainly agrees with um that says yeah you know like this is this is bad like this kind of capitalism is is a problem um but like is is it particularly a problem in your mind that um it is a video game company that's here or is it just like could it be like a pizza company that's the same way? Like, is it a, is it weird that it's our particular ballywick that it's uh, that is becoming so huge? Taking this out of the critique of capital. Well, I mean, no. I think like uh, I'm trying to think of a better way to say this. Like, because that's a good point. Um, not taking it out of a critique of capital, but not not like basically being able to sort of have the conversation without immediately sort of saying like, okay, so. A priori, we know that this is like a big time problem and uh, shouldn't mm-hmm. happen. Like we we know that this is bad, uh, and and there's no discussion needed. Assume that like we live in a world where some discussion could happen about like is it okay that there's like a multi billion dollar company that can control everyone? Um, is it particularly bad that it's like video game that it's like ostensibly an art object or entertainment object? Is it too frivolous? Is there something dangerous about that, or does it not matter at all? Um, I don't know. Um, I have an answer for this. If, if um, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I'd love to love to hear your thoughts on this, John. I, I just like I don't know exactly what you're asking yet. That isn't, of course, of course, there should be no company this this big or that takes advantage of. It's it's probably workers in the to this degree. I think. I'm... I think anything that takes advantage of artists to the degree that um not just artists like there's all sorts of game devs that aren't artists um but obviously there's it's easy it's very easy to take advantage of people in creative fields because they they love what they do and that there is um i don't know yeah it's harder to I don't know. No, I don't think that they should be this big, but I don't. I don't know that this is exactly what you're asking at, and so I. I no, no, I'm you actually that, that's yeah. helpful because like there, it, it's it's absolutely true that um, it's absolutely true that you um, you know you point out that like it is it's all the easier to to um, 
exploit people who feel that their job is also their, you know, passion in life. Um, mm-hmm. Like maybe think, in a pizza company, maybe not all. It might be easier to unionize people working in a pizza company, and they're not all. Um, they haven't grown up making pizzas and thinking about pizzas and like pizza isn't part of their life they're they're workers who work at this pizza company and it's easier to convince them to unionize or um in some ways seek collective action whereas like people um that are working in games they've grown up like wanting to do this like you don't yeah not many people just like accidentally fall into doing game dev later in life um and so I think that they're more hesitant to um, to take on the the companies because they're in a more precarious position. Hmm. Yeah. No. That's that's actually that's fantastic. Exactly what I was asking. Um, okay. Cool. Um, John, was that sort of more or less what you were going to say? Or I sort gonna... of I did want to address the the idea of this being a gaming company versus any other kind of company. Most of the companies that get to this level where they're eating state subsidies while paying the, the state no money and obviously moving money out of the country into uh, bank accounts that can't be touched um, are like infrastructure companies, companies that provide fundamental ways that people interact with the world. So Apple basically runs the, you know, uh, handheld phone space. Uh, Microsoft basically runs the operating system space for like every government computer in the uh, in the Western world, pretty much, um, yeah. Apple has almost no market share in terms of of the infrastructure of government um, computing. Even though they're very popular in the creative services and in the, pri- the private market, um, uh, Amazon, Amazon Web Services, they are basically the backbone of the internet. Rockstar isn't any of these. Rockstar doesn't provide a fundamental service that the modern world is built off of. That makes them a lot more vulnerable to governments trying to claw stuff back because they can't turn around and punish the government for you know, doing so by denying them an operating service or you know getting rid of uh, you know making iPhones more costly or you know less updated. Or um, in terms of Amazon Web Services, basically taking away eighty percent of the internet if that goes offline. Right. Um, so, Rockstar it probably won't f- uh, face too much uh, blowback from this, especially if the Tories continue to control the United Kingdom's government. Um, assuming there continues to be a United Kingdom, um, more on that after <laughs> this Halloween. Um, that's the deadline. Oh, it's literally, oh, okay. it's literally all Hallows Ooh, Eve. Spooky. It's, it's, it, I, I really hope they don't get another extension because that's just too narratively perfect. Um, but yeah, assuming a Labour government under Corbyn doesn't come in, I doubt they'll be punished for this. But this, they don't seem to be in the same position of privilege that these other huge companies do. And obviously, a lot of companies pay nothing in taxes by abusing schemes like this. But you, you don't want to get this kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I guess like what's 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 surprising to me is that Rockstar keeps um, drumming up this kind of attention, and like obviously in a lot of ways is still seen as like a, a a sort of like ideal company, in that like they are putting out stuff and they're seen as like the the primary AAA title that people love, um, or AAA studio that people enjoy or look forward to the games uh, consistently. Um, I guess at the same point like they really are just, like, constantly putting out, like, getting these, like, super atrocious, um, <laughs> just just miserable, miserable uh, reviews. And it's... it's Well, no, no, no. Stories, not reviews. Stories, the reviews yeah, good, were bad. Good point. Then... Yeah, yeah, then we'd have one. Well, yeah, no, good point, good point. Um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of interesting to me. It's 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 very it's very weird, uh, and I wonder what the straw that will break the camel's back is. Uh, the, the best thing, the most helpful and most correct thing uh, one of my Maoist friends ever said to me is that nothing ever changes until it does. Hmm. Um, it, that is not actually a materialist critique of anything, you'll notice, but it is true. Um, companies like Rockstar will see me because we can't actually see how everything's working until it happens and we look back right. on it. Uh, companies like Rockstar will weather storm after storm after storm after storm and nothing will change. It'll feel like nothing can ever change. And then something will happen, 
and suddenly it looked like oh oh this thing was going to fall apart all along um because you know we we can't actually do that analysis until we're looking backwards because you know if the universe is an equation we're inside of it we're variables you can you can't you know do the di you can't perfectly do that analysis until you're looking back yeah. um so you know if it, I, I guess the only good thing i really have to say about this stuff is if it seems like it's never going to change don't worry it will eventually just not when you want it to <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um cool well uh um do we want to talk about uh anything else is there anything that that you would like to live is there anything that you'd like to to touch on is there anything we didn't say there's always things left to say, but <gasps> that's so true. But this is this is good. Yeah, I mean, we could do real quick do a game segment, but uh, I b- believe you, Trev, have to. Run no, out no, of no. Here. I have 15 more minutes to talk. Minutes. I would. I was planning on doing the the game segment with you all. I want to know what you're playing. All right, um, I'll go first since I was talking, uh, and I'll be very quick. I am playing the Heretic expansion to the Warhammer 40K Mechanicus game. Uh, it's a $12 DLC, came out this week. Uh, I have a full review of it up out over at goonhammer.com, the word goon, the word hammer.com. Uh, so I won't fully go into it, but it is broken. I mean, it, it is, as far as balance goes, it is broken um, in a very fun way. The idea is that you um, start you're playing this kind of like crappy cyborg um, Imperial Guard guys and you're fighting like the Terminator death machines so it's like the weakest guys in the setting versus the strongest and in the DLC you start taking the the robots that you're fighting and integrating them into your systems and going Hmm. mad but also getting super powerful Um, cool great fun completely unbalanced Um, the new character class is just a death engine um uh, if you've played Mechanicus through all the way once already, this is more of a bolt-on add-on than it is a full expansion. It, it doesn't, it, you know, it adds to the base single-player campaign instead of being a side story or a standalone. Um, so there, there won't be that much new content for you uh, if you've already played Mechanicus to death. But if you're a new player, this really bolsters the single-player experience, uh, and I'd recommend it if you if you haven't yet gotten into Mechanicus, and it sounds like a game you'd like to. Excellent. Cool. Um, Liv, what have you been playing? Oh, no. <laughs> you can say it. Just go ahead. <laughs> Truly, I haven't been playing any games by myself this week. I've... Uh... I've truly only been playing Overwatch with my boyfriend. Where but, where is he? Where has he gone? I don't know. He's on the road. We'll, we'll find. Yeah, he, he's on. He's, he's absolutely signing in through a number of proxies. He's an so. absolute sicko on the run. Um, I've just been reading. I think Ooh. I finished probably like maybe four books this week or Tell something. Tell us the I most interesting know. book you read. Wow, I'm um. Or I'm one of them. You don't. Have, you don't. You don't have to pick your your fave. I guess if if that makes you feel bad, because like it would make me feel bad. Uh, no. Um, my favorite book that I read this week and that I've read this year, maybe one of my top five books of all time, um, is On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Uh, That's a, that's a recommendation. That's a Olivia recommendation. I'm recommending it to each and every one of you. It's only like, it's less than 250 pages. Okay. Um, and it's very affecting and, um, yeah, general... If you're interested in picking it up, there is like a general trigger warning for basically everything. Um, but okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, none of. Sometimes, whenever books are trauma heavy early on, I I get nervous and worried about how it's being used in the story. Um, but this book, I think, I think handled everything very well. I hmm. think that it was uh, a gorgeous, beautiful book. Um, Okay, great. Um, well, I am I am excited. On Earth, we are briefly beautiful. Did I almost get that briefly right? Gorgeous. Briefly gorgeous. Yeah, on Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. I love that title. Um, even though I kind of botched it there, I really do think it's a lovely title. Um, nice. Fantastic. Well, that's we, we rarely get reading uh, recommendations in here. Maybe we should do that, too. John, do you have any book recommendations? No, I'm illiterate. Okay. Um, Gamer. Well, you, know, you know what? You'll, you'll get there. You'll get to be literate. Um, 
I have been playing. I actually just picked it up last night because uh, it, it came out out of uh, early access last night, and Andrew uh, and I played it because uh, it's co-op. Um, but I recommend it to others. It's called the Blackout Club, um, and basically, it is a that, it's a horror. Before you horror describe co-op it, game. it, it mm-hmm. sounds sort of like something I'd hear about on Fox News. <laughs> it's that. Um, it's it's basically a game where you have to avoid uh, getting beaten up by by toughs on the street. Uh, no, it's it's a game where basically like the premise of the game is something really bad is happening in your your town um, in this in this rural Virginia town in um, in the in the early two thousands. Um, and you uh, like the kids in the town are the only people who really are are sort of aware of it they fall asleep they wake up somewhere else and what you learn is that there's like a really troubling sort of like inchoate cult uh of of like basically your parents are affected everyone every sort of wait uh, it's it's a kid thing it's a reverse children of the corn that's pretty cool yes it is yeah and so basically you have to wander through the streets and like most of the time people are sleeping so you have to like they're they're blinded so you kind of have to watch your sound um, you can see the sort of like big bad of the game by closing your eyes, and you can also see like um, so eye closing is a mechanic. Uh, you can also see uh, various um, uh, like hints and messages that way. It's it's cool. It's like it is it is truly um, the classic video, the classic horror thing of the first mission, which is the the mission of um, you know you're there, you're trying to. Um, you're trying to do the thing where uh, you're you're like the character who I'm trying to think of how to say this. Like you're you're the character who is um, basically the the tutorial character that then becomes like the 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 central focus for all the other various characters you play as in the game. Um, but that part is actually like pretty scary. Um, the rest of the game isn't very scary at all because it's co-op and it's fun and like you're you're just kind of like it's like left for dead but it is very good and the the closing eye mechanic is great the co-op is great it's it feels like it's it's new i mean there are glitches and stuff like that but it it really is a lot of fun um i would recommend it for anyone who um likes co-op I, we played with a couple of randoms last night and they were actually like very fun to play with i i think the community is pretty good so far so um, you know, obviously, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it gets popular, if it becomes a dead game or whatever. But I think it has a big potential for being a fun um, and popular uh, co-op game for a while. Cool. Yeah, check it out. Well, um, this may be our quickest ever um, patch notes. Uh, Liv, is there anything that people should be looking out for other than uh, the location of your boyfriend? Uh, that's the primary thing. Uh, also, um, be watching out for a no cartridge after dark. Yeah, that's going to be so exciting. I was really, I thought we were going to have to wait for questions, and then I asked on Twitter, and everyone gave us questions. So we have more than we can even use. Um, it's going to be really fun. Uh, did you see any of them that you liked? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. There's a couple that I'm very keenly interested in answering yeah i'm i'm interested in a lot of them too i think like um i think one of the ones i'm really interested in answering is uh the question about like what game i've wasted the most time on that's a that's a good question um yeah no there's a lot in there that i'm 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 really looking forward to answering with you um so that'll be really fun uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. That'll be on the Patreon. Uh, John, is there anything that you would like people to keep an eye out for? No, I made my plug in the uh, games I was playing section. You sure did. Um, and yeah, for me, um, you know, keep an eye out. I'm talking to the uh, the How Did This Get Played people tonight. Um, and I'll be talking to the, uh, the Outer Wilds pl- people on um, Thursday. Uh, so lots of lots of fun stuff coming up. Um, I'm I'm very excited about all of it. So uh, you know, keep keep an eye on this space. Basically, um, get on that Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that's where all the that's where all the good stuff is. Uh, but yeah, no, it's that's uh, that's about it. So thank you both for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you both. It's just the it, it, it this will sound like I'm being sarcastic, but it's one of the highlights of my week. Thank you, Trev. Uh, but you're like currently changing diapers and shit, right? Sometimes, yeah. not always. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say that is not one of the highlights of my week, are the diapers. So. Um, but yeah, thanks for yeah. having us. 
Oh, always, always. So, um, yep, follow John at Jonathan Bernhard. Follow, no, or, I'm sorry, at, at John, John Bernhard. Bernhard. And follow Liv at AV Club, A V E Y uh, C L U B. Don't follow her at The Onions AV Club. Uh, it's much worse content. Welcome to all my little clubbers. Um, hashtag Beehive. Um, <laughs> Come on. Don't don't start Come that on. shit. I don't want to. I don't want to get involved in this because they put my <laughs> Trev just put my handle just right next to yours, and they're gonna start talking to me too. They got a hive. <laughs> they, there's live hive. Hello, little clubbers. Hey, clubbers. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you both very soon, and uh, have a lovely night. Absolutely. Bye, Bye y'all. <laughs>